Hello, and welcome to The Ethicist, a new podcast from The New York Times Magazine. I'm Amy Bloom, a novelist and the writer-in-residence at Wesleyan University, and along with my co-hosts, we're going to debate and then answer some of the tricky ethical questions that Times Magazine readers send in every week. And let me introduce my co-hosts. Jack Schaefer is a media writer for Politico, talking to us from Washington, D.C. Hello, Jack. Greetings. And Kenji Yoshino, a law professor at NYU, talking to us from downtown New York. Hi, Kenji. Hi, Amy. Coming up, we'll tackle reader questions about money, about ethical behavior in sporting events, and about censorship. So our very first question has a person in a family dilemma. My father and brother shared some interesting ideas about finances. In order to decrease his net worth before beginning divorce proceedings, my brother invested $600,000 in an apartment in my father's name. Years later, he had our mother co-sign a business loan. When the business failed, my mother was sued for $3 million she didn't have. After she died of cancer, my father fought the suit for many years. At age 93 and a half, he settled for $1.1 million loss. Unable to live his accustomed lifestyle, he approached my brother with the expectation that my brother would supplement his income. When my brother refused, the two of them fought bitterly, so my father sold the apartment and kept the $600,000. When he died, he left his estate to be split between my two adult sons, who barely had a relationship with him. My brother believes he should be given the money from the apartment before anything else is allocated. My father's lawyer states that my father felt cheated and let down by his son. I don't want to be in the middle. Please advise. Name withheld. Well, I see this as not a legal question, more like a family therapy question or a family dynamics question. But nevertheless, I'm going to turn this one over to you, Kenji. Well, it seems like a lot of people are behaving badly here, (laughs) but uh, it has a kind of novelistic quality. So I understand uh, what you're getting at, Amy. I sort of trip over the word invested $600,000. So it said my brother invested $600,000 in an apartment. So this is not really framed, again, not to be too legalistic about it, but it wasn't framed as a loan. It was framed as an investment, and investments can go bust. So I feel like what is going on here is that the brother made an investment that didn't pan out well, and then the father and the brother had a falling out, and I actually don't see this as a hard one. I don't see that the letter writer should do anything other than leave it to the father's lawyers. Also, just as a, a sidebar, it's it's not even clear, and this may have been the father's intent, that the monies could be dispersed to the brother, given that the father left it to his grandchildren. So it may be what the brother is asking is that the older children give him, his nephews give him the money. But I don't I see any reason why they should. And I certainly don't see any reason why the letter writer should feel like they have any obligation to play a mediating role. I've got to vote my proxy with Kenji on this. I've read this question 12 times, (laughs) and it makes my brain hurt every time. It is um, misunderstanding upon presumption, um, family dynamics uh, thrown into a wearing blender and spun at high speed. And so we have this this green muck to sort of to massage and to tease out. And I think that the only way that you can deal with this is as a legal question. The ethics trail has gone so cold here. I can't 
bring myself to do anything but vote my proxy with Kenji, who seems uh, wise in all things legal. <laughs> I like that qualifier. It makes it it's, it's sort of a what we call an expressio unius clause, right? So am I unwise in, in all things else, Jack? Don't get Latin with me. <laughs> I think Kenji is wise in all things legal. I also don't think this is actually a legal question because there is a will. He, when he died, he left the estate to be split between my two adult sons. There's the will. It seems to me that what the letter writer is saying is that the brother is making noises either about contesting the will or about what he feels is a familial obligation to give him money. The letter writer says, I don't want to be in the middle. I think the reason that this was interesting to me is that it's always interesting to me when somebody says, I don't want to be in the middle, and in fact, they are not in the middle. The letter writer has no need to do anything, except that I suspect that the letter writer would like to express some feelings and see them played out in a certain way. But the fact is, lucky letter writer, you don't want to be in the middle, and you're not. You are not ethically obliged to do a single thing, as far as I can tell. Money does strange things to families. Um, when you borrow money, when you lend money, when you invest money with uh, a family member, it draws in so much of the personal. And you can't just say to a family member who's lent you money or, or borrowed money from you, uh, hey, it's just business. This is why a lot of family businesses break up. Well, I think that's true. And also, you can't say it's just business because probably the person wouldn't have lent you the money or borrowed the money from you or invested with you if it had been just business. You know, so you jump off from the personal. Okay, in a completely different arena, literally, we have a question about ethical behavior at sporting events. While we all appreciate the support of a hometown crowd, is it ethically wrong for the crowd to play a more direct role in trying to influence the outcome of a sporting event? By that, I mean raising the noise level to such an extent that it's very difficult for the opposing quarterback to call plays, or positioning fans behind the baskets to wave streamers and try to distract an opposing player taking free throws. Signed, Bill from Bronxville, New York. Jack, do you have a thought for Bill on this subject? I have a bundle full of thoughts. <laughs> if cheering is allowed at a sporting event, then the only ethical thing to do at a sporting event is to cheer as loudly as you want to for your team. There are sporting manners. At a tennis match, you're not supposed to cheer during the, the, the playing of a point. Or at a figure skating competition, you're not supposed to set up a chant, you suck, you suck. You're going to fall. But at football or basketball uh, event, it's clearly ethical to scream as much as you want and to hinder the uh, other team's uh, ability to hear signals. Now, the NFL, interestingly enough, used to penalize the home team if the home team crowd made so much noise that the opposing team's quarterback could not uh, deliver um, his signals. But after a while, they basically, the referees gave up on enforcing that rule. And in 2007, they knocked it right off the books. So now NFL crowds are allowed to make as much noise as they want. In basketball and in football, uh, teams have adapted. And there's a sort of level playing field. Um, so yes, um, shout, scream, holler, make as much noise as you want. Completely ethical. So your thought is, A, it's ethical, and B, be mindful of the golden rule. Whatever you do to their team, they're going to do to your team. Be prepared to suck it up. I also think that it's uh, completely ethical to scream, kill the young, as loudly <laughs> and often as you want to. 
But Jack, let me let me press you on that because I I had a really different intuition. I do think that this is case by case, and you know, on the one hand, I think there are clear cases on on both sides. So on the one hand, I would say it's fine to cheer. On the other hand, I, I think that you would say we would agree, right? That if I shone a flashlight or a really bright strobe into the face of somebody who was trying to make a free throw, that would be unethical, and that. Even if both sides did it, that form of interference with the game would be uh, just a race to the bottom. So actually, there's great stuff from Robert Axelrod, right? The tit-for-tat rule that says the greatest predictor of our own behavior is how we're treated. So I think you're absolutely right that if you do that to my team, I'll do that to your team. So that does level the playing field. But is that really what we're talking about when we're talking about ethics? Because that just seems like the race to the bottom. And so now we're both... Uh, engaged in what Stephen Carter would call the ethics of the kindergarten, right? Well, I don't think the slippery slope uh, carries us from cheering to uh, pointing flashlights or throwing firecrackers on the field. As long as there have been sporting events like baseball and football and basketball, uh, there's been cheering. Now, exactly how you're going to police a crowd to deter them from uh, what you might think is uh, unethical or the, or the beginning of a, a slide to the bottom. I'm not really quite sure, but if we toss the flashlight away and don't light off any firecrackers and reserve this question to, it can, is it all, is it permissible to cheer as loudly as you want? I think you would agree with me that it is ethical to cheer as yes, loudly and, as and you I, want. Yes, and this is really an honest and open-hearted question that I'm posing to you because I don't have the answer to this, but I am struggling with my intuitions here because I have, I think we both have the intuition that cheering as loudly as you want is fine. I think we both have the intuition that flashing a flashlight into somebody's face is wrong, right? But you know, the kind of limiting principles that we've articulated, like you said earlier, that's a physical interference. Well, doing the wave is, is physical, right? So it can, I'm not sure if that's what it is. But there's even a question still about what is said. Is the content of what is said, does it make a difference? Do we say, oh, hands off, that's not something we can touch because ethically it's all shouting and hollering. But if there are, as they are often in European uh, soccer games in particular, racist shouts and racist chants, do we say that is not ethical as well as it's also not good for the sport? Obviously, there are kinds of disruptions that um, should be within the prerogative of uh, the league or the whoever sold the tickets to enforce. Um, if a misguided NFL or NBA operation decided it wanted silence, like a church service, at all games, I think it would be ethically their right to proceed in that fashion. Likewise, if management wants to deter certain kinds of speech and they've enunciated those principles quite clearly, and have said no racist chants, they should be allowed, I think, to eject the people who are making racist chants. And, and I guess I would, I would just take this a step back and say, what are we trying to enforce? I, I like the way that you framed it initially, Amy, about being about good sportsmanship. And I think that you know, I'm going to shoot myself if somebody says one more time about a movie like New York is really a character in this movie. But I think we're saying something similar <laughs> here, which is to say the reason that there's a home court advantage is in part because the fans are part of the team. And so if that's the case, then I think that the norms of sport, sportsmanship or um, being a good sport that apply to the team also apply to the fans. So I think we have to dig into what 
being a good sport means. And I think that fundamentally it means, of course, you root for your team, but you also root for the ideal that the better team wins, right, on the merits. And so if that's the case, there are certain things that team players can't do and there are certain things that fans can't do. So rather than this tit for tat thing of, you know, whatever we do is going to be done to us, so it'll all work out in the end, I think that we have to hold ourselves to a floor of saying we can't descend below this level. You know, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be case by case. But I think that one guiding principle has to be this notion of sportsmanship. And that could differ from sport to sport, as Jack was saying earlier. Okay, guys, that sounds to me like a discussion designed to make sporting events maybe a little better than they are. Now we have our classic ethical dilemma. In Europe, a woman was near death from a terrible cancer. There was one drug that the doctors thought might save her and a form of radium that the druggist had recently discovered. Even though the drug was expensive to make, the druggist was charging 10 times what the drug cost him to make, paying $400 for the radium, charging $4,000 for just a small dose. The sick woman's husband went to everyone he knew to borrow the money and try every legal means, but in the end can only get together about $2,000, which is half of the cost. He tells the druggist that his wife is dying and begs him to sell it either more cheaply or to let him pay him on the installment plan. The druggist says, nope, I've discovered the drug. I'm going to make a lot of money from it, and I don't care what happens to your wife. Having tried every legal solution, the man gets desperate and is considering breaking in to the druggist store to steal the drug for his wife. So if he was writing a letter to us, he would say, is it ethical for me to steal the drug? Well, if we can take our fingers out of the cancer for just a minute and boil this question down, the question is, is it ethical to price gouge? And if you feel as though you're being gouged, is theft permissible? I would say, yes, it's ethical to price gouge, and I would say, no, it's not ethical to steal. Okay. So what would you do with that? I don't know. Kenji, you have a thought? Yeah, I land differently here, and in part this is an evasion of the question perhaps, but I always look for third solutions. So it seems to me like there are other solutions than talking to the hard-hearted druggist and stealing. Like those seem to be quite dichotomous and extreme options. So there's a middle space there where you can actually get other people to agitate against the druggist. So I think about, say, uh, how patents were broken on you know, HIV drugs, for example, because of grassroots activism that said this kind of price gouging is not acceptable. So, you know, it may be legal, but it's not ethical. And on those grounds, the price of those drugs went down dramatically. Small scale version of that, more fitted and tailored to this hypothetical, might be to get people uh, in the neighborhood to come with you to protest about the druggist practices and to say you're going to lose more money because we're all going to boycott your store if you do this because this is a life and death situation. So I guess my instinct in these uh, scenarios is always to say, you know, are these really the only two options available? And here I see a clear middle path. I guess one of the things I would say, Jack, if part of what you think about being ethical is doing the right thing in order to be a better person, I don't really see how we can say it's ethical to price gouge. It might be legal in your community to price gouge, but ethical seems to me to be going a little bit far. It's certainly not part of doing the right thing in order to be a better person in any way. If the druggist invested time, material, his money into discovering 
this cure. Doesn't he have an ethical right to recoup some of those losses? He absolutely does. However, the question is set up that he is making a fortune off of this. But we don't know how long it took him to create this medicine. Maybe it took him 20 years. Maybe he spent hundreds of thousands or millions of his own money to create this medicine. I mean, it seems to me that the unwillingness to make slightly less money at the expense of somebody's death is not ethical behavior because it lacks the quality of compassion. It's a struggle because I feel, you know, would I, if I could, make the medicine that would keep my beloved spouse from dying? Yes, I would. And would somebody have the right to prosecute me afterwards? Sure. Come and get me. So you would say they have every right to prosecute you if you steal the medicine? Absolutely. They have the right to prosecute me if I steal it. Okay. So that's both complicated, grim, and interesting. And we should wrap that one up and go on to a somewhat lighter situation, which is censorship at the gym. My gym has a bin of magazines for public consumption. People commonly bring in their own magazines and leave them in the bin for others to read. One of the magazines that regularly appears in the bin is an NRA publication with headlines and stories that I find offensive. When I see that, I take the magazine home and throw it out. Actually, I recycle it. If the magazines were supplied by the gym itself, that might be different. But in this case, I think that the NRA supporter has a right to spread his or her views. And similarly, I have a right to express my views by removing the magazine. What's your opinion? Name withheld, Minnesota. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. I'm going to tackle this one first because I have to say I don't think the right to express your views by removing the reading material is a path that any ethicist would encourage somebody to take. The fact that you don't like it does not mean it's okay to burn it or ban it or take it off the shelf or even out of the grungy little bin at your gym. You may want to bring in other magazines. You may even want to bring in, you know, a magazine called 10,000 maimed and murdered children in gun accidents celebrating their lifestyle if such a magazine exists, but you don't have the right to throw the magazine out. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And the only thing, I mean, that's a classic. The response to speech that you dislike is more speech, you know, rather than censorship. So I'm totally with you on that. The other thing that I want to say is that I find this distinction really strange of saying if it were the gym itself that were supplying the magazines, that might be different. In other words, I wouldn't throw away the magazines. But given that this is somebody else supplying the magazine, I have a right to do it. Well, the gym has created a kind of focal point, right, for people to bring their magazines in. So it seems to be sort of tacitly acquiescing in this practice of allowing people to bring in their literature. So if anyone is going to curate this, it should be the gym itself. Like, you don't have the right to have these magazines that people have brought in and to decide that your view is better than somebody else's view, um, the person next to you on the treadmill's view, and to remove it so that nobody else can enjoy it. So, you know, it's it just seems like this one seemed like the most fascinating one, but also the kind of no-brainer one. Yeah, it is. It's also somebody mistaking self-righteousness for the greater good. What's your thought, Jack? I really hate it when we all agree. <laughs> I know. Because there's nothing I like better than a good fight and a cheap shot or to receive a cheap shot. <laughs> but in this case, there is no right not to be offended. 
you know, what we have here is essentially a community lending library of magazines. The person who thinks that they have some sort of right and that it's expressive of speech to destroy a magazine, or even, uh, in this case, recycle it, is slightly nuts. I'm not keen on the works of Karl Marx, but that doesn't give me a right to unshelve all of his uh, books uh, at the public library uh, and toss them in a dumpster. So this letter writer has done the unusual. He's brought us all together in a sort of kimbaya moment. I agree with you guys completely. And on that note, missing out on a last good fight for this, I think we all have to say he is in the wrong. We all know it. And um, you do not have the right to get rid of reading material that you personally don't like in your gym. Let that be a lesson to all of us. And that's it for The Ethicists. If you'd like to send us your ethical quandary or comment on the show, you can reach us at ethicist at nytimes.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend. If you didn't like the show, let us know. And in either case, subscribe to us in iTunes. Our producer is Ann Hepperman. For Jack Schaefer and Kenji Yoshino, I'm Amy Bloom, and we'll talk to you next week on The Ethicists. The Ethicists.